0: For the rest of you, if you would uh, take your Bible and turn to Ezra chapter three. I failed to mention this in the first service, but this will be our last Sunday. Um, intentionally, having walked through the Old Testament this year, uh, this will be our last sermon in that uh, foundation series. Um, you can keep reading that uh, the Old Testament reading. We haven't quite finished that, but next Sunday we start Advent. And we'll start our uh, Advent series, um, calling it the Born Series. And you'll want to make sure that you're part of that. We'll have our uh, Advent wreath out. Uh, journals will be ready next Sunday. Devotional journals uh, that your staff has written. Um, and those will be compiled this week and uh, printed, ready for you. They'll also be available online uh, at some point. And you'll want to pick those up and, and walk through the Advent season, which is a season of expectation and waiting for the coming of Christ. Uh, This morning, I just briefly want to give you an update on what has been going on since the last time we were together in a session like this where we were talking about the gym and all of that rebuilding stuff. Um, You may not remember, but we looked at Nehemiah last year, chapter 2 which is uh, where Nehemiah comes back to the people of Jerusalem and and he tells them all of uh, God's favor upon him as the cupbearer to the king and the the burden that God had laid on his heart to help rebuild the walls. And he says that, he gives that testimony to the people of God there in Jerusalem and they respond by saying, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. I want to remind you that last year, this very Sunday... Uh, Last year, right before Thanksgiving, when we preached that theme of Rise Up, we had a commitment time at the end of that service, and we saw an offering of over $150,000 come in in just one day. I've never seen that kind of offering before, Um, but without oil wells. Uh, But um, I have to confess, uh, yeah, yeah, never mind, never mind, I'm not going to go there. But we've got about half of that left. Um, It is all earmarked. Um, So it is spent, we still have it, but it is spent for the next project uh, on this bigger project. Uh, What has our Harvey Rebuild team been up to this last year? Well, I told the early service, what you see on the outside isn't the whole story. It doesn't look like much is happening. If you're here during the week, you see trucks here sometimes when they're supposed to be here working. Um, But all the things happening now are on the inside. Um, This is kind of how I relate it. The The work of God happens in here. Um, He doesn't, uh, unfortunately, yes, Brother Andy, some of this fades over the years, and this loses its color, but what's happening in here is what matters, and that's what's happening now is what's on the inside, but we can't take occupancy with all the stuff happening on the inside, like uh, HVAC, you want air conditioning, don't you, in there? Yes, I thought so. You want, uh, well, today we need need a heater, Um, who knew, but um, electricity, all of those things, that's being done right now. There have been a few items that come up along the way that needed to be redone, um, and uh, when, when we come to it, sometimes we have run into the availability or lack of availability of goods and services, uh, particularly the services, um, but one group I'll brag on, which you'll remember last year if you were with us, the Texas Baptist men that came and framed uh, the inside for us, did a phenomenal job, saved us a ton of money with their blood, sweat, and tears, and, and really we made some good friends for life uh, in that group. They will be back, um, though we don't know exactly when to uh, build our cabinets for the kitchen and some other places there, so they're not done with us, and we're not done with them. Um, I also would point you to the west side of the building. Uh, today, when you leave, you can go see the fire escape, um, total metal structure that was fabricated for us um, and uh, installed for us with no expense. It was a gift um, to us. And so we praise God for that. We have seen that kind of thing happen time and time again, and we are grateful for that. We have been working with our congressional representative, Todd Hunter, um, looking for potential grant funds uh, from Hurricane Harvey, uh, uh, funds that were still available. But having been this far out now, five years out, uh, those funds are pretty much all gone. Um, so we pray that uh, if God see fit that he would provide a way For uh, Representative Hunter to uh, find some funds somewhere in the Department of Emergency Management or the Texas General Land Office, Uh, you can pray for that because the budget year will come up and uh, he'll have uh, maybe a little pool uh, this year. But pray for him, not only for that, but, you know, like, well, we shouldn't depend on the government. Why not? Because Cyrus and Darius and Ezra gave permission uh, for Israel to go back and reestablish themselves so the civil government can help uh, as God sees fit, so it can happen, so we can pray for that. there 's a great deal left to be accomplished uh, if you want to know everything, I have a rundown. Can you see that? yeah it 's a pretty good list, and the cost that 's there uh, of each of those items, these are all estimated, of course, and preliminary costs. and you know as well as I do, some of those costs are going up uh, i don 't know of anything dropping in price right now, although gas is a little better, I suppose, uh, but there 's a great deal uh, left. We're waiting on things like the electricity to be finished and the wiring, uh, some kitchen appliances, plumbing fixtures, bath stalls, uh, gym walls. We need a hoop so I can dunk on Billy. Yo, uh, we need uh, drywall, paint, furniture. I don't know why the youth need furniture, but they need furniture. You don't want to sit down on a chair. <sighs> what? Yes, they do. Um, some TVs, uh, things like that, so they uh, are able to use uh, media. There's lots to be done still, okay? And and our Harvey Rebuild team, by the way, if you're still here this morning, some of them skedaddled after the first service. I think it's like they got some darts thrown out. No, I'm teasing. If you're here on that team, would you stand up? Harvey Rebuild team, you're still here? Yeah, we've got several of them. Some of them are out doing other things right now. They are... They are marked people, Um, but uh, there's a good team, what, eight of you, nine, ten, something like that. Um, So they're working uh, diligently to, uh, they meet about every two weeks uh, on that, sitting down, planning what's next, what's coming up, and then of course what we're doing today, how much do we have left? Um, One of the things that I know for certain is what is ahead of us um though a large task still have a great hope that god is walking us through this providing for coastal oaks church because he always has in the past and uh and i believe the best is yet to come um for this church and so uh one thing i'm going to try to commit to, to do is to not call it a gym anymore. Um, a gym, when we sound like it, some of you get scared of that word and thinking, okay, I didn't keep my New Year's resolution last year to go to the gym and work out. Why do I want to give money to a gym? No, no, no. We've got to call it, we've got to have a bigger picture than a gym. It's, it's more like a, an oasis. Think about an oasis for a moment. Oasis is a place where in dry places you find refreshment, you find renewal, you find relief and Rest. That's what I want that place to be. One, it's going to be an oasis of fellowship. Right now, we lack fellowship space. You know that. We don't get to sit down much and eat together. Uh, When we do, it's around a business meeting. So we want to make sure that we have adequate fellowship space because we need to get to know one another. Coastal Oak Church has been through a lot of change in the last year and a half since I've been here, but even more so um, in the last five years since Harvey. You've, you've been through a lot, and, and it's hard. Change is difficult. That much change in that short of time is a difficult speed to, to, to attack change and, and to walk through it. And so one of the things that we see changing is that our faces are changing. People are coming in. People are going and moving away with different life circumstances, and we need fellowship so that we have that bond together. We can do that in life group, but that's a small group. We can do it in D group and get really close, but, again, that's even a, an even smaller group. What we need is that good fellowship space because fellowship is an essential to the body. Um, You know, we always say, or I've kind of heard it said, a church that prays together stays together, a family that prays together stays, you know, a church that eats together. Well, we're just going to get chubby together, but we're going to do it together. Amen. Amen. We got to have that fellowship um, and as a part of our community. And I think that Life Center will help serve that, not just the student Uh, and and children, uh, students and children of our church, but the entire church family. It's also going to be an oasis of evangelism and discipleship. It's an oasis of evangelism because when our students are gathered, not every single one of them are saved. Not every single child that uh, that will play there or learn there will be saved either. And so one of the necessary tasks of ministry is that we're constantly sharing the gospel for the next generation. Also, as we do community outreach with that place, uh, we will have opportunity to do evangelism. It is also a place, an oasis of discipleship where as our students come in, Billy and his team will be discipling and uh, our kids ministry will be discipling uh, children there. Even some of our life groups for adults can begin meeting there on a Sunday uh, morning to have space. And some of the groups that meet on campus now, they're either in this room or out there in the welcome area where it's wide open or they're in one of the kids rooms. And this would be a better place um, to to have that. Finally, it would be an oasis of outreach where our missions team is already active in community service with our food drive every month. Um, and uh, But what a blessing it would be to serve our community through the use of that facility. Um, if you've not seen the gym floor, the athletic floor, there's, of course, the basketball uh, that is uh, marked off. But did you know there's going to be indoor pickleball? Yeah? I don't know why y'all want to slap pickles with paddles. That's weird, but it's called pickleball, right? But I, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of people outside today playing pickleball. But if we had it, we open our doors to the community because there's this growing pickleball population um, uh, in Rockport. And it a, it's a, seems to be a, a growing thing. So what an opportunity. I coached uh, in our local basketball league last year. Um, and man, there's a huge need uh, for godly coaches um and uh, i mean i i think just about all the girls on my team were attending church somewhere but we prayed every every time we practiced we closed with prayer asked asked jesus to bless us and it was a, it was a good thing but a sports uh, a sports league like upward where we could partner with another church in town that has a gym uh similar uh kind of facility there's all kinds of opportunities that having that kind of facility um, would Would give us not to mention the fact that when Harvey hit you guys that were here used it to bless this city, perhaps more than some of us that were not here even know, and it will serve that uh, purpose as well so here i 'm asking this morning for you to give to that life center in that rise up campaign i call it a campaign because as we did last year, we did a one time offering, and you know I haven't given to it since. We gave out of what we had last year, and I haven't given to it since. And I get the sense from looking at what comes in the offering plate, there's not very many of us that do give on a regular basis to that rebuild project. And so one of the things that our our team needs is an ongoing reserve to keep projects rolling. Because right now, if the everything was finished and the drywall started boom we're out of funds okay that that money that's left is earmarked for that kind of pro, that big huge drywall project that it that that is but we're out as soon as that starts and we pay that bill so we need that ongoing giving to to this project so you've seen coming in i hope uh the banners that are hanging up i'm ready to take them down so let's do it all right it's marked up to a certain amount that we're trying to raise, and here's what we've got before us. Our team believes that about $250,000 will get us our certificate of occupancy. Right, That means it's passed all the inspections up to a certain point, but that's not all the final bells and whistles that the team would like to do. Also, if you've walked across our parking lot, you'll know we need it redone. Right? We walk sometimes to our own peril, and so that parking lot would be a... a, a, a a part of that finished uh, project um, to, uh, to get that done in one final push. So I'm asking you to give above and beyond. And I know it's a hard economic time. Okay, I know that. I live where you live. I make the same dollar that's not as worth as much as it used to be as you do. Um, and so uh, God can do amazing things. Did you know that at the end of chapter 2 of Ezra, they take up an offering um, to help rebuild um, and build up the treasury for the temple. Did you know that there, that that offering is well over thirty million dollars? I don't expect that to kind of come in, but you know what I'm saying. Like, here's the people; they've been in exile for seventy years. They take up an offering. God instructs them, and they're going to rebuild the temple, rebuild the altar, and it's that amount. It's astonishing. That God would do that. So God can use a bunch of ragtag exiles from from Israel. He can certainly use a ragtag bunch of believers at Coastal Oaks Church. So I'm asking you to give on a regular basis, and here's how you can do that. Um, Now, I've already turned mine in today, so this is just blank. Mine, It's already in the box. But you can take that envelope that's in your chair, and there's a line there for building, okay? I'm asking above and beyond your general tithe, okay? Don't steal from the tithe because that's how we carry on our ministry, all right, as soon as we get this building done, it frees up our budget a little bit too. But you can give right there on that second line It says building. You can write the, how much it is and wh- whether it's a check or whatever, but make sure you put on there it's for the building. So you can call it Harvey Rebuild. You can call it Building Fund. And it'll get to when our uh, treasurer uh, and her team count, then... Uh, that will, uh, that will be designated for that gym uh, project. And there's boxes on the way out. There's a box over there in the corner by that door, but there's boxes on the way out on the wall. You can slip it in there. If you regularly give online, that's how my family gives each Sunday. We give online. You can still go online and designate um, uh, an offering that way. It's labeled, I believe it's labeled online building fund, and it will be accounted accordingly, okay? Um, so we are looking forward to getting in. Um, If you have not been in, I'm not sure if it's unlocked today, but you can come by during the week and it's unlocked because they're in there working. Come by and see what's going on. If you have a question uh, of what's happening uh, Pastor Andy is our staff liaison to that ministry team. You can ask him. Cindy Robbins is the committee chair uh, of that rebuild team. You can ask her, and there's others that are on that team. You can ask them, what, what's going on over there? That, that's, you know, one of the things I keep hearing is, what's taking so long? Well, if you've tried to build a house recently, you know what's taking so long. Okay? It's difficult because work crews are thin, um, and things are expensive, so we're going to keep asking the Lord to bless this. We're going to keep asking Him to help us get back up on our feet um, with uh, with the Life Center. And uh, it's a call today to rise up and finish this task that is before us. Uh, and as you do, uh, I pray I want you to know that if if it's a penny, that's okay. You put enough pennies in a bucket, eventually it's going to get full. All right. I'm not looking for millions of dollars, friends. We're not looking for that. Every drop counts. All right? I want you to know that. So if you don't have much, but you, you feel God giving, calling you to give, then be faithful to that. He's going to bless it. He's going to bless your obedience. If you feel God calling you to lead you to do something different or something larger, by all means, do it. I've seen God work in mysterious ways and miraculous ways, and he's, he can make it happen. And so our prayer is, Lord, do it again. Do it again. It took seven years to build this this room that you sit in now. It took some years to build the admin building. God worked miraculously uh, in a very special way to help uh, this church purchase the three acres to our west, right right where the admin building sits now. God has always worked. He did this time last year, and we expect him to do so again. But remember, I'm asking that you continually give throughout the year. My family will do that throughout the year, and so we ask you to join us in that. All right, Ezra chapter 3. We're going to fly through this this morning. If some of you were like, what's taking so long? Well, now you know. First things first, returning to worship necessitated in, God's, in, this, in this day, in return of God's people, it necessitated the laying of the spiritual foundation for sacrifice. When God's people are returning back to Jerusalem at the order of King Cyrus of Persia, They are coming back and there is nothing left. The temple, the altar, everything is in ruins. Nothing is left. And so they're gonna have to start over. Not even their homes are standing. But one of the things that they quickly uh, come upon in chapter three, the seventh month comes. It says, and the children of Israel were in the towns. The people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. They came to that central location. And as they come, they gather Jeshua, the son of uh, Josadak." And his fellow priests, Zerubbabel, they're all there with their kinmen, with their family, and they build the altar of God. That altar is a foundation of sacrifice. It is going to prepare them to go into the temple. As everything was in ruins and upon their return, why would they even then go back? Because in chapter 1, verse 1, you see that God stirred the heart. Before he stirred their heart, he stirred the king's heart. He stirred King Cyrus's heart. He's not even a Jew. You see, God can use, God can use his, the people that he puts in place of leadership and government to accomplish his task, and that's what he's gonna do with Cyrus, and that's what he does with Darius as well later in the story. But in verse five, God stirred the hearts of his people to seek that return back to Jerusalem. He had promised 70 years that time had come, and so he stirs the heart of his people. And so by the decree of King Cyrus' They return and they find it in ruins. In chapter two, they gathered this offering. And by the time we start chapter three, the seventh month is there and they begin to rebuild that altar. Why rebuild the altar? Well, you see in verse three, it says, they were afraid of the people around them. So they built the altar. Previous generations of Israelites and Jews would have turned to those people and made made a, a, a compact or a contract with them. They would have compromised with them They would have mixed in with them and let them put up a temple to their God and and maybe adopt some of their worship practices. But we see in this return that the exile has worked. They have learned the important truth that their priorities would be set to the Lord. Their hearts would be set to the Lord and that they show their dependence upon him in order to survive and thrive. So rather than compromising, they are consecrated and they're setting themselves apart for the Lord. As they fear the people, that drives them to worship God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. And so safety, we see, is not found in a wall. They learned that. The walls were down. There's not found in a wall. It wasn't found in a building. It wasn't found in numbers, but in the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, there's no better place to be. They learned it the hard way, but they learned that they could trust God and not man. The same is true for the church today. The altar that they set in place is is at the entrance of the tabernacle where God would meet Moses or meet Aaron or the other priests later on as they built the temple. God would meet his people in that place. That's where his presence was. His glory was there on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. His presence would dwell there. In fact, he told Moses that it would be a place that he would dwell in their midst. But sin got in the way. You know, sin created that barrier between God and man. And the only way that that was dealt with was by sacrifice. A substitute. They, like we, deserved his judgment. And yet by his grace, God provided a way of escape through a sacrificial system. But Hebrews will tell us that that sacrificial system wasn't enough. The priority of rebuilding that altar was according to the word of God. The exile's... We're centered around the Lord. They're listening to his word, and they're offering up the sacrifices as prescribed by his word. The presence of God, the word of God. This book is gonna keep you from sin, but sin will also keep you from this book. The worship of God will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the worship of the Lord. They had to deal with that sin. And so Ezra says, they get up to this point, the altar's finished. They start offering sacrifices daily, free will offerings and sacrifices daily, but the foundation of the temple is still not set. And so, again, in verse 7, they take another offering, more money given to the, uh, the masons, the carpenters, food, and drinking oil to the Sidonians and Tyrians. That's the exact process that Solomon followed in the building of the first temple. They had to go to Tyre and Sidon to find the lumber, the cedar. That they would use to build. And he had to do that again for the second temple. It's amazing how it all comes back around. Why rebuild the temple? Because the temple was God's dwelling place. The temple connected the people of God to the presence of God. Rebuilding the temple meant that they would be connected to the presence of God again. That, That temple symbolized God's presence for Israel. Again, he told Moses, I will dwell in their midst. When Solomon finished the temple, it was said to be a house of prayer for all people. And so Zerubbabel and the others, the other priests, began working and overseeing with the Levites the rebuilding of the house of the Lord. And what you see in verses eight and nine of chapter three is a stress on unity, cooperation, enthusiasm for the project. They're ready to get this done at this point. There's a whole list of people that are, uh, that are journeying and, and gathering in Jerusalem to make, to make it a point to see that this temple is started and finished. They're united in their purpose. Those are things that we need to pray for as well, unity. You can imagine with if 10 people on a team, everybody's got an opinion, and how do we come to a consensus? We need unity on that team, and we need unity in our church. We need enthusiasm for the project. We want to see it finished. We want to enjoy its, its space. We want to see people come to the Lord because of the ministries that are happening in, in, that, in that space. But the greatest important in this moment in, in chapter 3 is that the temple foundation was laid. And that temple served, again, as a connection point for God and his people. It was symbolic of his presence. Third thing you see is as those foundations are laid and that final stone is set, You see the builders and the priests come together with the trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph in verse 10, with their symbols, and they praise the Lord according to what? According to David. Still praising the Lord according to the word. I'm telling you, they're following everything exactly the way God's word had laid it out. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord in verse 11. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. Friends, restoring the songs of praise reminded the people of God's faithfulness. We are reminded time and time again of God's faithfulness as we offer our worship to him. The foundation set, the priests are there, the Levites, they're all there doing just exactly as David had prescribed in his writings and in the time of Solomon when the temple was set. Praise and worship resounded as that final stone is laid, a celebration of God's covenant love with his people which that covenant love we understand even today in Christ endures forever. We sing for the same reasons. There's always a reason for the church to rejoice. Even in a hard time, there's reason for the church to rejoice. That's why Paul told the Philippian church to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. But in verse 12, there's also a different side to that. It's very interesting in verse 12 of chapter three. Many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, temple, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish between the sound of joyful shouting uh, from the sound of the people's weeping. Why are they weeping? Well, you've got some, some folks there that remember the good old days. They remember the first temple, the glory of Solomon's temple one of the wonders, ancient wonders of the world. That temple would have cost billions of dollars today, but within that temple was the Ark of the Covenant where the Holy of Holies uh, kept that in the mercy seat right on top of the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence was. And then inside the Ark was the tablets of stone with the law written on them, all of those things that were so sacred to God's people, but those will not be in this new temple. So we have a history of of God's people remembering what was, having a difficult time with what is, and the new people having a difficult time not knowing what was, and only looking at what is and what could be, sounds like the church today. That's the reason for the prayer of unity. When you read the Old Testament, you think it's all about the temple. When you get to the New Testament, you realize it was never about the actual building itself. Yes, it was beautiful. Yes, it was amazing. It was an astounding work of architecture and and building uh, capacity for a people group. The new one wasn't going to be as nice as the old one. But both of those perspectives led the people to totally waste the next 15 to 20 years of their life. Because once they finish the foundation of chapter three, work stops. There's some opposition to the rebuilding in chapter four it's dealt with in chapter 5 finally by the time you get to chapter 6 some 20 years later a new king king darius comes on the scene the temple is finished the temple is dedicated and they observe passover but they were in jerusalem again for over 20 years before that happens we can look to the past for answers and others will see what's in front of them but when we look back and we're caught looking forward too much, we forget that it is about the presence of God that matters the most. The presence of God. In his presence, we come to understand our purpose. And our purpose, church, is that we are on mission with him. He, Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We only have a short amount of time to do the works of him who has sent us, he told his disciples, because night is coming when no one can work. So my prayer is that we seek only the life change that God can bring. And a boy, and a girl, a man or woman, whomever might be in those meeting spaces listening and hearing the gospel. God's presence with his people. When God is with us, who can be against us? No one will stand, not even Satan himself. But it is about God himself transforming a people for his glory. Friends, he came to dwell with us. He came to die for us. And he came to deliver us from sin. All of this Old Testament stuff points forward, which is why we're going to transition to Advent. It all points forward to one. It points to Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. They rebuilt the altar, yes, but it wasn't enough. Jesus, once and for all, offered his life as an offering, as a sacrifice, as he loved us and he gave himself up for us at the cross. Hebrews chapter 10 will remind us of that, uh, of that truth. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, verse 9, he does away with the first in order to establish the second, that is himself, and that by that, he says, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stood daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. That means the work was done. No more sacrifices. Why? Because he was once and for all the final sacrifice as he loved us and gave himself up for humanity. Once and for all. A single offering. Second reason this all points us to Jesus is that he is the cornerstone that connects us now to the presence of God. The temple was symbolic, and it helped the people connect. They helped them know that God was there. But that God is not bound by the four walls of any building. If your God is bound by the four walls of this church, you're serving an idol, not the living God. Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and following, Paul writes, For through him we, have, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the cornerstone, excuse me, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Christ is the cornerstone, church. We are the living stones. You see, because Christ became flesh and he dwelt among us, that word is actually tabernacled. He dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It is now the work of the Holy Spirit that transforms us. The word of God renews our minds, shapes our heart, shapes our convictions, but it's the gospel that is the power of God to bring a dead man walking back to life. And in that life, he being the cornerstone and the Spirit working us together as the church. The third way this points us to Jesus is that he has become the pinnacle of God's faithfulness and the reason why we praise God. Christ Jesus, he is the reason we sing of God's faithfulness enduring forever and ever. And it'll be that way in the end. In Revelation 5, we're reminded, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Our lives Now, as the church, are being offered as living sacrifices. That's the reason, because Christ Jesus is the pinnacle of God's faithfulness. We look to Christ, and we see that his faithfulness and his loving mercy endures forever and ever. Friends, we can look back. We can look forward. We can look all around. We can grieve the loss of what was. We can look forward to what is coming. We can seize the opportunity right now to join in what God is doing today. To join in and do a work with Coastal Oaks Church in which we see life transformation to the glory of God. My prayer, and I'm gonna talk more about this come January, but my prayer is that we will see all in Christ and Christ in all. Here's what I mean by that briefly I mean that we reach the lost, all. In Christ. We want to see all come to Christ. We want to see them in Christ being saved, being transformed. And we want to see Christ in all. And by that I mean we see discipleship and spiritual growth happening and the fruit of the kingdom work. All in Christ, Christ in all for the glory of God. That's the future, I believe, of uh, this body of believers. And the life center, gym, oasis, whatever we're going to call it, it's a tool. It's a tool. It is not God, it is a tool that God is providing for us to help accomplish the task that he has set before us because we exist for his glory and we want to do all that we do for his glory. It is my prayer this morning in our time of commitment and response that if God has laid it upon your heart to give today, that you would do so faithfully. If God calls you to an amount, a specific amount each month until the gym is done like he has done my family, then I want to encourage you to do that and make today the first day you can do that. If you need to get online and do it, you know how to do that. Do it. Let's see it happen, friends. Let's rise up again and see what God will do. All right?